check one, check two. I'm the Inca slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary get it cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio. It's the Rob You Sports Do Show. Is that so? I got what you want. The NFL miss whatever I phone. And spent sport news. Give hair the blue light back in your team, you know they will lose. Don't get it confused. I'm like shit calm mixed with Uncle Screws. Make the get bucks. Watch chips club. What? Shine like wine from water. Wait grapes. R.I.P. Stew with Scott, the late great. And welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Rob You Sports Stew Show Plus. This time, it's a special episode. This is going to be my racism in sports episode. Also, this is a definitely a special edition of the Rob You Sports Show, the podcast. The NFL picks, Pharaoh Knicks picks. It's just been a lot going on in the in the world, in the country, in 2020. Definitely some things I wanted to touch on and speak on with so much going on in the sports world. And as the sports world is intertwining with the real world and the league of the NFL movement, and the NBA movement as far as civil rights and racial inequality injustices are concerned, everything seems to be coming to a head. But this is the Rob U Sports Special Edition. And we're going to talk about racism in sports. We're going to talk about the dawn of the activist athlete. Then we have corporate color people correction the white unbalance also we have covid versus the nba bubble in the nfl shuttle shuffle not to mention the huddle and some of the last topics i will touch on is the great cap debate and also the new new quarterback faces black faces, QBs of the NFL moving forward. So, take it from the top. Once again, I just want to thank you for tuning in. This is definitely a special episode of the Rob U Sports Show. And let's talk about how we got to the place that we are now. And right now, with so much going on in the United States, we know there have been a number of situations where unarmed black people were killed by police rather in their custody or during an arrest and also sometimes by vigilantes or former cops in certain cases and there are a lot of names that we can name but let's just say that people finally grew tired of it amongst the covid situation the pandemic the quarantine the curfews Everything finally came to a head with the murder of George Floyd, not to mention other innocent black people who were murdered this year of 2020. And these names, the list grows longer when it's in a, in a time and in a situation where it should be growing shorter. But with the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, outrage and rebellion 
injustice all came to a head and became realizing the streets all across America where several streets, several cities, several states had protests that led to riots and riots that led to looting and looting that led to the, the shooting of spray bullets, spray pepper spray, clay bullets, rubber bullets. Not to mention, even amongst the extra surveillance from the public during protests, posting the activism and the movement on their feeds, there still were instances where police were seen brutalizing protesters or people in the streets as even as people people protest and speak up for someone else being brutalized, murdered, profiled, or otherwise racially discriminated by the police. And, you know, as a black man in America, it's something that I think a lot of white people may be out of touch with. And this could be some of the reasons that people such as Drew Brees have had to do a double take of what they thought may have been the right thing to say. Especially when Kaepernick made it plain and knowing clear that it never was about disrespecting the American flag as it was more of speaking out about racial injustices, murders, inequality, and basically what was being perpetrated in the streets of America by a lot of racist police cops who made it their business or their duty to abuse young black and brown men and women. Now, I'm from South Carolina, and as I saw some of the looting and some of the riots going on in downtown Charleston, it was kind of like symbolic of everything going full circle of where Charleston, as a lot of y'all may or may not know, was a big major player in the trade of slaves. And you can tell, and you can tell the cultivism of it, the old money, the still historic plantations preserved and used as national landmarks where it really went down. And to see that it seemed for that night or those days that black people were actually taking control of the city and the situation. It was bittersweet because you want black people to feel empowered. You want white people to know that black people are fed up of the murders of innocent black people unarmed being killed by police officers with guns and with weapons who rather shoot somebody than tase them or restrain them. And sometimes you have to wonder if it's racially motivated. Is it a hate crime? Does this person have some mental imbalances? This person stressed out? Is the job too much? Do we need more of our own patrolling our streets? Do we need more leadership in our streets as far as OGs and people in the streets who are respected and some of the influence and power they could wield to the streets? That's, you know, we protect our own. We look out for our own. A lot like maybe the, the previous Italian and other nationalities who basically had to fend for themselves in different neighborhoods and stuck together and bonded together and protected each other as a community. 
and you know there have been black people who've attempted to build their communities and it was still destroyed and infiltrated by outsiders who hated black people and were jealous of the success that these black people have had attained and of course i'm speaking of something such as a black wall street well you know in today's economy in today's commerce you know it is it is i think more influenced and more important for black people to be more woke about group economics and keeping money in the hood or dealing with certain independent black business owners beauticians barber shops you know people who sell food or you know other goods and services because it's important to keep that dollar in the community and you have other nationalities and races who won't who won't give money to a black business or won't consider making that kind of contribution to somebody who's who's black in certain instances of what their what their business is or they wouldn't support a mom and pops type business but definitely you have to think of the other side of the coin there are cops who are getting a bad rep because there are certain cops who won't either tell or want to protect their co-workers and there are the cops who may need some type of mental intervention or therapy somehow some way that could allow them to better conduct themselves when dealing with minorities which of course after a while people get tired of seeing this played out in the streets where you were watching multiple videos of black men being killed year after year so of course nobody's gonna always understand what's going on to a certain group of people if they're not in that predicament or they're, not, they're so far removed from what the average person is going through what the average person's life is but I think for a lot of people who were looting it was a lot of frustration a lot of pinup energy you've been in the house quarantining and then you have to watch this on television and you know that even a, a besides the virus racism is something that's going to be out there in America it was founded on racism and taken from other races such as Native Americans using races such as Native Americans black people Mexican people basically to, to build this and really be that free labor that allowed a lot of these white heritage families and plantation owners industrialists to to build up that generational wealth because they had such a head start with free labor and the the use and barter of black people as stock as far as bank loans or property and a lot of white people never want to you know talk about the reality of the situation but even in the NCAA, it's, people equate that to slavery because you have these athletes not being compensated for what they're bringing to the table, like a Reggie Bush situation, even like a Zion Williamson situation. You know, these guys are making a lot of money for these programs, but are they really getting what they deserve? And then you have some people who may give them a little bit now, and then they trail, okay, on the other side, when you blow up, I want this. And things don't always pan out that way. And then you see these cases come up to the light. Like the, the athletes I just mentioned or, or or Chris Webber type of situation. Where somebody was helping the athlete because 
the school wasn't doing enough and the school wasn't giving you what you really deserve or earned or worked for. It was the same situation like a plantation. You were in the field, you are the product, and you bring in the crop, and you're yielding. And those jerseys are selling, those shoes are selling, and the, the people are coming to the games, and the games are being broadcasted, and the contracts are coming from the networks, and the 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 money is coming from the, the ticket sales, from the apparel sales, the bookstore, the boosters, the distributors of the college apparel, the jerseys, the hats, the jackets. So it just shows you. This is just a time in I think in America where I think black people really want their respect, and it really. A real, a realistic person knows, like I said, racism isn't just going to go away. But at the same time, because a person hates you because you are a different race, you don't even have to deal with each other. Or you could give black people reparations, or give black people their own land, their own states, similar to the Native American reservations. But basically, I think there's a there's a there's a change coming because now things are just more brought to the light in the forefront of as far as racial inequality because you see who spoke up and you see who was quiet as a church mouse you see who said okay we are gonna look at things differently and you see who had the hush mouth and this shows you who's on the side of black people who would speak up and say no nah, this isn't right who would just be quiet or say oh, nothing happened and you know all these supposed millionaires and people who want to adopt the black culture when it's convenient or when it could be beneficial to them and then when something really happens in the black community who's really there to speak up about it so you have to pay attention to the faces and the movers and shakers on the ground at the event speaking saying what needs to be said because this is a crucial part of american history that we are going through and this is that's just some of the tip of the iceberg this is a deep subject i could go on and on and it's something i think a lot of white people need to need to learn about or educate themselves about because this wasn't something that they were you know modern black history is not something that a lot of white people are familiar with unless it's something they watch on tv if they have that one black friend or you know they don't really understand the, the struggle and the grind of a, being a black person in America and some of the things we are at risk for just because of the color of our skin. So, like I said, racism in sports, a very deep topic. Some of the key figures and dates I'm going to give you, I did a little bit of research. The first black player in the NFL, but the NFL dates back to the late 1890s. The first black player was in 1902, and his name was Charles Follis. Shortly after he joined the league, the NFL had 31 years of integration, limited integration. So they banned the blacks shortly after Follis was let in, and black people were back allowed in the NFL in 1946. So from 1933 to 1946, there weren't any black people allowed in the NFL. After this, the 
Shelby Athletic Club signed Charles Follis in 1946. Well, excuse me. In 1946, the L.A. Rams signed Kenny Washington and also Woody Strode in 1946, becoming two of the first black NFL players in 1946. But Charles Follis was the first black African-American player in the NFL in 1902 with the Shelby Athletic Club. The first black player came in NBA in 1950. It was three of them. The first to play in the game was Earl Lloyd. The first drafted was Chuck Cooper. And the first to sign an NBA contract was Nate, Nat, excuse me, Sweetwater Clifton. And all this happened in 1950. So we had our first black NBA players in 1950. And of course, the first Major League Baseball player, the first person to break the color barrier, excuse me, was Jackie Robinson, and that was in 1947. So you have all of these strides being made in 1950s and 40s. But then we fast forward to today's modern time, number of black head coaches in the NBA, eight head coaches that are black in the NBA. The NBA is 75% black with 30 teams. So out of 30 teams, only eight of them have black head coaches. Then we have the NFL with three black head coaches. Out of 32 teams, there are only three black head coaches. And 70% of the NFL is black. By the way, the first black head coach was Fritz Pollard. So, along with the recent murder of George Floyd and the rise of activism, the dawn of the activist athlete, there has been a silence by certain people and the polar opposite is the rise or the dawn of the activist athlete. And with the dawn of the activist athlete, basically it's becoming more normal for athletes to speak out on their own behalf or participate in political movements, marches, rallies, being heard, being visible, and, and speaking up for the mistreatment to other black people. Because a lot of these NBA and NFL players know if they weren't in the league, it could have been them easily. Regular person walking the street, regular person driving down the street, and you get targeted and something goes completely wrong. Some of these athletes may be somewhat removed from it based off their new financial status or the neighborhood they live in now. But I'm sure they have family members and even they probably still get put over sometimes if they just because they're in a, a black person in a nice car or whatever minor infraction it could be. But you never know. But it is good to see a lot of these players beginning to speak up. And with this in mind, some of these companies have now begun to do a little bit of color people correction with the white unbalance, where they appear to be thinking more favorably about their black patrons, supporters, or logos. In some cases, 
where Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's will be removed from Food Brand based off them now saying it sends the wrong message. They finally realized that in 2020, and that's a very old brand. So all of this is just showing you there's been a shift in the the mindset of America when it comes to the race. Also, with so much racial tension, a lot of it fueled by politicians, there was a rise on streaming networks and people wanting to see movies from the black experience and get a better grasp or understanding of what it's like to be black in America in the modern day or previous times. Because based off the numbers I gave you of the first professional sports players in each league who were black, it seems like a lot hasn't changed as far as the aspect of in the 50s and 40s, they were just letting us in the game. Now in 2020, close to 100 years later, they still won't allow some of us to coach the game and we make up the majority of the game. So I think naturally, if you had a black head coach or a black general manager, they probably will relate a little more to the players because they both go through a similar black experience. And every black person doesn't have the same experience. But if a black person grew up in a certain neighborhood, environment, projects, apartments, if you tell people your story, sometimes people can relate to what, what, they, what they go through and what they've been through and their experiences. And you may have similar stories to tell. So it's good to see these black athletes speaking up for the average people in America. And that brings us to another issue. The COVID-19 virus versus the NBA bubble trouble and the NFL shuttle shuffle huddle. So in this situation, we have the NBA currently trying to return to form with a shortened regular season finale followed by a seeded playoff which would lead to an NBA championship. All of these games to be played in Orlando, Florida at the Miami, excuse me, at the Walt Disney Sports Complex down there. So the plan is for athletes to come in there and be limited with their contact with other people Minus, say, of course, teammates and team staff. They probably have to, you know, have some interaction, of course. But trying to keep all of these athletes healthy, virus-free, and them being able to, I mean, deal with the, you know, seclusion or bubble-like atmosphere. I mean, I guess it would feel like you're taking a vacation, but... Yet at the same time, they you know, they may miss family members, or how would the fam family members be able to visit? The spread of what's the risk of spreading it? Older coaches are at risk based off you know pre-existing health conditions or older age in the immune system. So there's still I think some few things for the NBA to work out. Also, you know, keeping the facilities clean. Even it's down to the basketball. Will the basketball be able to spread the virus based off spit, germs, sweat, blood? How will they keep the balls clean? Or will everybody have to, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's going to be 
interesting to see it unfold and then on the flip side of that you have people trying to plan it out and then you have people saying we might just sit this out so it's been rumblings of NBA players I believe famously led by Kyrie Irving and a few others have spoken on this such as Dwight Howard and I think Carmelo Anthony Damian Lillard some players are hesitant to return to the NBA bubble some I may I think may feel like they don't really have anything to play for or they're too far out of playoff contention and then others may feel like they want to know more details of how everything will be how will everything really be mapped out in the bubble what's it really going to be like to be in the bubble and also it's just like with with Damian Lillard and with Damian Lillard and also Carmelo Anthony on the same team it, it shows you like okay it could be guys who are the stars on their same team who aren't really willing to come back and play again amid the COVID and everything going on so it's like how do you how do you make sure how do you make sure that everybody is going to want to show up and play and how do you make sure everybody's comfortable playing and then you have players who are more focused now on potentially taking a stand against the NBA and saying we're not going to play just to basically focus on the racial inequality and injustices going on in in America to minority people so how will the NBA proceed or will enough players decide they want to sit out and they don't want to play this year but it still remains to be seen and will NFL players or the majority of NFL players all kneel this season as Kaepernick did in his last season so we'll see what unfolds but this was just a special civil rights racism sports edition of the rob you sports to show i want to thank you all for checking me out don't forget to like comment subscribe hate no don't hate i'm gonna block you i'll see you on the next episode y'all be safe be blessed peace and welcome back to the rob you sports to show special edition racism in sports and before I before I before I wind everything down, I just wanted to touch on a few things. Like I was saying before, we have the COVID versus the NBA in, in the in the bubble. And like I said before, there were some athletes who were saying, if we go and play now, the message will be forgotten. And we'll we'll be distracted and we won't focus on inequality and racial injustices in America. And then we have some who believe if the players go play, they'll have a better platform and a bigger platform to express themselves and to voice their concerns and opinions. So right now the players will have about a week. It'll be June 24th where they have to make the decision if they will play or not. And the fear is if the players do not go play in the bubble in Orlando that the league owners will most likely create a lockout to renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement 
which could lead to the end of those some of those maybe guaranteed contracts uh, could definitely lead to a salary cap in a non-salary cap sport but maybe the owners feel like we gave y'all so much with the, uh, with the with the you know max contracts we gave y'all so much per year and now you don't want to play but the perspective of a lot of the players is you're not speaking out on your platform as a billionaire owner moving shaker and saying that you feel that there's injustices and equality inequalities in America towards black and brown people and maybe that's what's creating the stalemate right now where some NBA players are saying I don't want to play for this person right now I don't want to play for this person because this person doesn't care that my people are being killed in the streets by policemen or this person contributes so much money to so many people and so many important people in Washington DC to where they're too busy trying to get favoritism from a politician to recognize what's going on in the black community. So there are definitely some major things going on behind the scenes and also, like I said, being played out and portrayed to the people where I think, like I said before, you can really see who's involved, what's their involvement and what's going on with the social inequality of black people in America and who's speaking up and who's not speaking up and what's their perspective and what's their point of view and what's their expertise and what's their own personal experiences because like I said before there are probably a lot of white people who probably may be in the dark where all they do is consume black content black culture and they're less focused on the actual treatment and daily life of being a black person in America and I think that's what a lot of the NBA players are trying to convey to the owners that the only reason that you pay me these millions is because I can play basketball but if I couldn't play basketball I would be in a similar situation to a lot of these people who have been abused, bullied, mistreated targeted and arrested and held and imprisoned by this corrupt justice system so that's just something I wanted to touch on because it still remains to be seen if the NBA will go through this year with their COVID bubble playing in Orlando Magic Kingdom and then we have the NFL versus the COVID NFL same similar situation how is the NFL the contact sport going to play in a contact league when people aren't really supposed to be touching they're supposed to keep a distance of six in six feet from each other how are all these players going to travel on buses airplanes meeting rooms facility practice field training facility how are they going to keep their distance how will the how will the ball be cleaned or protected similar to the NBA how are you going to keep spit, blood, sweat off of the footballs? How often will you clean them and sanitize them? Should all players be forced to wear gloves and some form of a, a, mask, in, a, a mask inside their helmets to protect them? Should all players be forced to wear a glass shield this year, except have it come down lower 
similar to the similar to the doctor surgical shit. What's going to be the protocols when different players start to get sick? Or I've heard somebody speak of different position groups actually getting sick, like a tight end group or DB group, because one person has it and they spread it to everybody else who in close proximity to them. So that's some of the things the NFL has to definitely take note of and be aware and cautious of because they may need more than a 53-man roster with all these potential injuries to one or two main people, like a star quarterback. Then you, you come down the depth chart, and then what if one person gets COVID, another person gets an actual football injury where they can't play? Then you need a third-string quarterback. Well, what if you don't have that depth? So... Definitely going to be some interesting things. And when it comes to filling arenas and coliseums, we have the brand new opening of Reliance Field, Reliance Stadium, and Las Vegas with the Raiders. That's definitely going to be something to, be, to behold and see. But why would the fans be able to come out and check out these NFL games this year? Or will it, all, will it have died down some more? Or are we about to go into a second spike? with the reopening of so many businesses and people getting more out and about, not to mention the people who were out protesting or rioting or looting who were intertwined with each other and breathing the same air and somebody could have coughed or sneezed on somebody or somebody had it and not knowingly and could have potentially passed it on. A lot of states are seeing a surge right now and some people have to ask is that because of the protesting or is it just because a lot of these states open back up? Where some states are starting to reel it back in and say maybe we reopen too soon. But I think some states are maybe too greedy to say we, we may have opened too soon. And they should not be putting a price on human life like if they know it's not safe for a lot of us to be out. But hopefully most people are using those safety precautions measures of the distancing with six feet also wearing masks and this is probably going to be something very implemental and useful in the reopening of the nba potentially and in the nfl this fall maybe they'll just ask that you know players keep their mask on in facilities when they're not you know distance from each other or have some kind of mask where they can wear under their helmet where they can still get good oxygen because you know you have to have to breathe a lot especially if you're playing in denver Boy, how will the NFL players react to the national anthem this year? With so many people already coming out and saying that they will be kneeling. So, I think it's finally come to life for a lot of people that the, the, the stand that Kaepernick took, the knee, it wasn't about disrespecting the American flag. It's more about the American flag disrespecting its people or the people who are supposed to be representing the American flag, such as police officers protecting their people and keeping their people safe and not putting their people in harm's way so even with the riots and the looting you have to understand there's a flip side to that there's good cops there's people family members who are police officers and how could you be how could you be looting or riding on the same street and you see a family member who's on the opposite side and they're in uniform and you're going against them and they're going against you but who's right and what's going on so that's just that just shows you it's it's two sides to everything but in this 
and it's right now the civil unrest, the political tension in the country, you know, sparked by politicians. You know, it's just an interesting time that we're living in. And some of the things that we're seeing here in 2020. So, with all that said, there is the great cap debate. And as we go into the 2020 season, among civil unrest, civil rights, riots, protests, police killings of unarmed black people, we also have the return, potentially, of capital. And this came on the heels of Commissioner Roger Goodell finally admitting the league was wrong in the way that they handled the Kaepernick situation and they should have heard out the black athletes who they shunned after the kneeling, such as Kaepernick, of course, and Eric Reed, who both received settlements from the NFL. Now, the commissioner is saying he hopes to see Kaepernick return to the league and this is something that I think he should have incentivized the same way they were going to think about incentivizing the hiring of black coaches, GMs, and minority executives. Because this is something that I think a lot of teams should definitely consider and and if they need them, definitely do. Because you have so many of these slouch backup QBs, and I don't want to start name dropping because there's too many to name, who cannot carry a team the same way that Kaepernick did like he did with the 49ers when he took them to the Super Bowl. Now, of course, you may need an NFL offensive coordinator who's flexible in his approach or willing to redesign the scheme. But, I mean, you already have situations like the Patriots where people are wondering, will they jump on Cameron Newton? Potentially, he's still out there. Or would they be a potential fit for Cap? Because, you know, they know how to run their PR machine. And they keep things low profile. But they may not feel he's a good fit. Because they may not feel he's very patriotic. Pun intended. So you have to think about where's the best fit for Kaepernick. You have all these teams who probably not going to have a good record this year. Rebuilding. Don't want to admit it. And then you have Kaepernick who still could potentially lead a team into the playoffs. His style is what's happening in the NFL right now. If you're paying attention, Lamar Jackson, you have Russell Wilson, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Deshaun Watson, you have these mobile young black quarterbacks with an arm who can hit their target. And this is what Kaepernick was doing in his prime. This is what RG3 was doing in his prime. Michael Vick was doing in their prime. Randall Cunningham was doing in their prime. Steve Young. So this is where the league is at right now. So you can't automatically just say, oh, well, he, you know, he, all he can run is own read. All he can run is this or that. Because that's what the league is running now. That's what it's come to. The game is a lot faster now. It have a lot more explosive plays. And there's a lot of, a lot of misdirection. A lot of speed guys on the outside who can pass the ball and run, receive the ball and run the ball, like a running back. So, supposedly, the coach of the Chargers, Anthony Lynn, has said that Kaepernick will be on his workout list. So, maybe once things get into the swing of things this offseason, or players are allowed to enter facilities, maybe Kaepernick will be 
invited into the San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers facility and allowed to show his, you know, show what he can do. He did have a workout last year, which I dubbed the Kaepernick Combine, but there was a lot going on behind the scenes and he eventually had to relocate to a high school instead of where the NFL wanted it to originally be held. But these are just a few of the top hot topics right now in the world and also in the world of sports where like I told you before it seems that the sports world and the activism world are beginning to intertwine a little bit and we're seeing who's stepping up to the plate and we're seeing who's not and we're seeing who's a vocal leader and we're seeing who's a leader by example who's on the ground who's letting their voice be heard making statements supporting black positivity, black excellence, black success, contributing, knowing it's important to support black businesses, knowing that you have rights, knowing that you should be treated with respect like every other American, and feel that it's safe to walk the streets without being harassed by the police. I think this is a time too for a lot of white people, you know, you can kind of make a choice right now. If you hate black people, you're going to show it. If you are more apologetic for our struggle and our plight in America, some people will show it, some people won't show it, but you can feel it in the air because you have to choose a side of how do you look at things. And I think that's what a lot of NBA players are waiting for their owners to do. Pick a side. How do you view things? Whose side are you on? You just like me because I'm black and I can play this game for you? and make this money and put the fans in the stands what if I couldn't do that for you you already a millionaire you don't need anything but I'm, I'm of no use to you unless I can play this game and fill your stadium up it shouldn't be that way and that's what players would like their NFL and NBA owners to recognize because you haven't seen a lot of NFL owners speak out either so that's why a lot of NFL players are like oh we kneeling this year because y'all ain't saying nothing maybe one game you want to lock arms and stand up solidarity for a photo op but when it really hits the fan you got all this money and you're not trying to help hear your players out or some of their ideas or some of the things they want to do in different communities where they're from or where they're playing that can benefit people that look like them who may not have their athletic ability for a future draft stock you got to think long term well, a lot of people who get in the NBA and NFL, you know, after after they get out of the league, some of them could be broke, and then go, they go back to being a regular person, or somebody who everybody look at is, oh, they had it, and that could be somebody who becomes a target because of their success or their perceived wealth, and they could be a target by a hater or a target by the police who see them stunting and flossing in a car and want to pull them over because they look suspicious in their car because the car is white and the skin is black so it's just a lot of people to think about because this is a real world we live in and you know as I wind down on a lighter note we're going to Father's Day weekend and I just want to thank my father for all he did for me and the man that he helped me become and I want to I want to congratulate and give props and a pat on the back to all the fathers, especially all the black fathers out there, 
being a part of your kids' life, making a difference, inspiring them, providing for them, loving them, nurturing them, being for the, being there for them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you know, it's, it's definitely is an important job, especially in today's time, for kids to have a positive male role model, even if it's not their father, a uncle, a a stepfather, an older cousin, an older, you know, grandfather, somebody they can look up to, an OG in the hood who won't steer them the wrong way. So, an older associate, or nothing, you know, none of that funny business. But just something I want to get off my chest, and, you know, like I said, salute to all the fathers out there, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I was going to break it in one part, but... It was just a few things, a few more points I wanted to make and get off my chest. So, you know, if you want to leave a comment or you want to share this, you know, if you want to send me a tweet or whatever, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, Twitter at RobUEasy, R-A-B-B-Y-E-A-U-X, East, E as in A, C as in cool, or Instagram at Pharaoh44Nix. P-H-E-R-R-O The number 44 N-I-X And Hopefully y'all enjoyed this special Two part episode on racism And sports and the COVID Virus versus the NBA and the NFL And feel Free to leave a like, comment Share it Retweet it, repost it Cash app it PayPal it and I'll see y'all on the next episode. Same number, same dollar. Peace.